Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the death. Welcome to episode 183 of the Kaiju Cast, a podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the third episode of August 2016, and our Daikaiju discussion for Reptilian, which is a movie I very reluctantly put on the Daikaiju discussion <laughs> schedule. Uh, joining me here in the studio for this particular train wreck, we have Mr. Martin Vavra. Hey, hey folks. And Sane Donahue. Hello, everyone. And Charles Babbage is here, too. Greetings. And then Hachi is, you know, quiet on the floor over there, as he normally is. But we are going to watch this movie. Before we do that, we do have a couple of songs to play, and then we'll come back with the discussion.
years. The world's largest dinosaur lay dead and buried. But now, a force from beyond the stars will bring it to life once more. That thing running meaner, I'd swear it was my wife. All right, well, we started things off with Terror Has Come Ashore by Yoko Ueno from Gamera the Brave, and then we moved on to Preparations for Operation Burial. That is, of course, by Akira Ifukube, and uh, that was actually from their Ostinato album. And we followed that up with the trailer for Reptilian 2001, or Yungari, because once again, class, it is time for our Daikaiju discussion. Every month, the Kaiju cast takes one particular film from the giant monster landscape and tasks the listeners with submitting their thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following discussion episode. Thanks to an online tool, I have randomly assigned one movie to each month, ensuring that this podcast will keep going for a long, long time. And this month, we are had just finished watching this movie called, well, in, in Korea, it was called Yungari, and in America, it's called Reptilian now, but apparently it was called Reptile at one point, too. I don't, <laughs> yes. I don't really understand what we just finished watching, to be perfectly honest. I know this was my first time watching the film. Sane, you were the only one in the room who yeah. had seen it before. How many viewings would this be now for you? Uh, two, because the first time was so terrible I never watched it again. Um, and I think I bought it on VHS when it came out initially. But it was like, you know, a $2 VHS at Walmart or something. Sure, sure. Early 2000s. Um, but I think actually you're getting it wrong. It's not Young Gary. It's Young Gary. <laughs> it's just so young. Yes. So young. Uh, I honestly... Did, I had no idea what to expect. I did watch a trailer for this film. It did not actually help me at all. Uh, but, you know, it was what it was. I I think because we got such little amount of homework, I think what I'm going to do is just run through the plot. Prophecy, dinosaur dig, giant monster, aliens, lots of destruction, and just terribleness ensues. <laughs> It was, it was probably one of the worst movies I've seen in a really long it's, time. It was rough to get through that. That was worse than X. You know, this <laughs> invades the Jade. Way, summit. way worse than yeah. than that movie. Yeah. This this movie. This is the room for kaiju movies. Ugh. I don't even think it's that entertaining. <laughs> See, I've never seen the room, and while some people would be like, "What? How can you never see the movie?" That's because I generally try not to watch bad things and uh, I have I know seen that the, room. the room is really bad. Yeah. It took me four attempts to get through that film. It's so pure in its incompetency though. It's really fun. <laughs> it, Cause of it, it's like, yeah, it's that's weird so we're equal. I, I feel like this is equal, right? This is, right. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is, this is more of the bird demic of, of yes. Kaiju movies. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, so what do we know about this movie so far? Um, well, the first thing I actually just wanted to say about the film is that we're, I'm not going to go too much into it because, A, I don't know. I did not – I legitimately for a reason did not do a bunch of research on this particular movie because eventually 
We are going to have to revisit it. And there's, <laughs> believe it or not, there is someone making a documentary about the making of this film. Oh, Ooh. that's brilliant. <laughs> so I tried to get a hold of him so that he could maybe talk with me beforehand, but uh, I wasn't able to get in touch with him. So hopefully by the time we roll back around to this with the uh, extended Daikaiju discussion schedule, we'll have uh, steeled ourselves somewhat and can watch it again. But let's go on to our regular stuff here. Like, So initial thoughts, Martin. Uh, there were literally times where I had no words. You kept saying that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Those were the only words that I could have. Yeah. It's this, it's, it's shocking and, and, and borderline appalling at times. Oh yeah. It's it's such a mess. It is. It, it, it really was. I, I feel like this was constructed by people who had never watched films before uh, writing dialogue who had never had conversations before. (laughs) Well, I don't know how else to put it. I mean, it, it, the entire <laughs> thing really echoed the in, like that whole like this is a th- we're going to try and make this an awesome movie by trying to put in a bunch of what they consider to be awesome one liners. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many, so <laughs> many. Oh, but yeah. the junior. You can't string that along yeah. into an entire script, though. But the junior high level acting like. Oh, you can't deliver lines like that with such incredibly poor actors uh, and have them have any kind of, you know, resonance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was like these people had never acted before me. And that that might be part of it, too. They just they it was like pulling people off the street and going, have you ever thought about doing this? How do you look in military garb? If I could like interject <laughs> what it reminded me of uh, an, an entire movie made with the acting talent that is in Godzilla versus King Ghidra of the Americans. Oh yeah. <laughs> Take yeah. that. You Take dinosaur. That, you dinosaur. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. is the caliber of acting from every single person in this movie. The stilted and Which awful. Is, okay. So actually seriously, yeah. because you just said that, yeah. that is actually why I thought maybe this was entirely shot in Korea. Possibly. Okay. So Charlie, you actually, you detailed what that said right online. Oh, well, yeah, it's, it's, you know, according to the internet, according to the internet, which so, is always right. So it was released in 1999 in Korea, South Korea. And then they decided to reshoot, uh, a bunch of scenes and rewrite, uh, the entire plot and add a bunch of new characters with all these American actors to make it more international. So there is another version of this, according to the internet, that is all Korean. And, it's amazing. And yeah, it, it, I watching this movie, that's exactly what it feels like. It, it feels like somebody took all of, you know what it makes me think of? It makes me think of like. Varan Tur- the Unbelievable. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say like Turkish Star Wars. Like when you yes. watch that. Right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like they take all of the special effects shots and then cut in their own uh, live action. Yes. And and that's exactly what this feels like. Except okay, except okay. it's it's like well somebody in LA did it instead of, you know, yeah. in Middle well, East. Maybe so. LA. <laughs> well, now I feel I feel lame for not trying to track down this this Korean film. But you said that that's just not available, right? Well, according again, according to the internet, it's this is the only version available, but there's I and oh, and to answer Martin's question a little bit ago, uh offline, uh the budget According, I found it online. According to the budget, eight point eight million dollars for two thousand or for ninety nine. Mm. Yeah, mm. 
99 in Korea yeah. or is that the budget here? That's the- that's tra- that's converting to US dollars. Okay. okay. All right. That's not a bad budget. That's an impressive budget. That's not a now, bad budget. I for a foreign <laughs> monster film, that's definitely a yeah. great that's a huge, budget. That's yeah. a huge budget and yeah. it, and that 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 goes along with what they were saying again on the internet that it's one of the highest at the time the highest uh, budget uh, Korean uh, movie made, South Korean movie. Wow. Made. So and that's what they did with it. That's what they did with it. Now all of the miniature shots, I would believe somebody put money into that because there there was a lot of landscape miniatures. Very well done. Well, Un- even that CGI for the time would not have been cheap. Like, yeah. As bad as it was, it wouldn't have been cheap. Right. And so, and for a foreign country, money, but, you know, yeah, for a foreign yeah. country, that was head and shoulders above yeah. any other. So, so when I look at the when I look at the miniature shots and. And the elements of the movie that appear to be the Korean portion of the film mm-hmm. seems like they spent some money. And where it looks really cheap is when you get into the the actors inside the you know the army base and things like that, where it's the American actors and it starts to look like an asylum movie. So yeah, mm. Mm. yes. Yeah, so Charlie mentioned that it looked like an asylum film, but it does look like an asylum film today. That's true. Shot in like nineteen ninety nine or two thousand or two thousand one. Yeah, whenever the reshoot. Seventeen was. years earlier. Yeah. Whatever the real story is there behind that movie. Yeah, I just I this was a uh, this was not one that I had on the discussion beforehand. It was strategically ignored <laughs> <laughs> and and I have to say that that was but you know that was probably the right decision to ignore this film because it just doesn't seem to have any any real reason to be a film like it seems like a big budget for the time in <laughs> Korea blockbuster you know they were aiming for a blockbuster movie obviously aiming to rip off the 1998 Godzilla film oh no Tri-Star. there's shots that are literally they're yeah, trying to sure. steal <laughs> yeah but without even that eras yeah you know. it's that whole thing like who cares about what really happens in these movies people just want to see a giant monster action like that's i think we just watched the epitome of that trope <laughs> or whatever you'd call that malady of humankind thinking that way about giant monster movies. Ugh. <laughs> this is rough. Is, is that your initial thoughts? <laughs> I'm going to end this episode and immediately go watch a Japanese monster oh, movie to definitely. watch the taste out of yeah. it. Yeah. You know, it would be really <laughs> awesome is if like in, because, you know, it took us so long in the podcast to get to this movie. Like eventually when we come back around, I mean, the podcast, I'll be an old man or whatever, <laughs> and we'll get to talk about the actual release that happened in 2023, where Korea finally said, "Hey, look, we found the original Yungari from <laughs> or the, the original remake of Yungari," yeah. and then they put it out, and we could see what wonders that version holds. Uh, so, saying what I mean, we're sort of abandoning the the standard banter here yeah. we don't need to talk about it in those terms but like did you guys what did you like about this you said the miniature work was i mean i agree i, I, I actually yeah the, i think the miniature work was was uh impressive uh can you know i i was a pretty low expectations going into this and, mm-hmm. and i saw that and i was like oh, you know that's not too bad this is something that i would have watched on saturday afternoon while working on other things and not sure yeah and not really been bothered by it. the you know this i don't think i hate this movie as much as you know, the vibe of the rest of the room, but it's, <laughs> it is not good. Don't get me wrong. Hate is such a strong <laughs> word. It was fun to riff to, but God, really no, I, I don't, I don't foresee myself ever watching this again. Yeah. I would legitimately watch the 
the original Korean version oh, just oh, to watch yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah for comparison. Absolutely. I'd be fascinated yeah. to see yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, but what this smacked of was like the Xena Hercules era, like sure. CG yeah, effects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. just like well, it was somebody yeah. getting that program in Korean, like, what can we do with this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got like, the copy of Lightwave. Let's yes. see what we can do. So what did you like about it? Did oh God, there's nothing. There's nothing to like about this movie. I didn't. I de- I didn't loathe it, but it is. Not, oh, it's so par- poorly made. Mm-hmm. Like just all around, so poorly made. Yeah, I, I just I feel like I've seen movies that are so much worse. Oh, than I've this certainly seen I, worse. I, gonna, I, I I'm not going to rail against it too hard, but it's. I wouldn't. It's. I wouldn't I, recommend it. To I anybody. would say it's almost beneath me to really shoot holes through this thing <laughs> it's not really even worth discussing a I, lot i, I got some know. positive stuff i can say about okay. it yeah so Jet considering hacks. no <laughs> the future you know what i i will give them credit for having the courage of even thinking that was a good idea this reminded me of like of uh, uh of axe cop where it was just like a child telling a story and then they they deciding to film it <laughs> wow um, yes actually that's is a great then, description of the plot. And then the army men show up and they have jetpacks and lasers and they shoot it and shoot it and shoot it, but it doesn't do anything. What were you going to say, Martin? Uh, so I'm, I'm going to take this into perspective that it's 1999 and it's South Korea has whatever initial budget they have before their idea of, of an international film that they could release. They have whatever software they have, which is probably a decade behind what they have in America. And they went and built a bunch of, cityscapes that were practical and then they did a bunch of 3d renders of these monsters and between however rudimentary the cg people were back in south korea in 99 and the dp folks that they had doing all of that stuff you know the monsters were horrible but they did a really good job for the most part uh at the end of the movie the beginning they were all over the place with perspective and size but by the end of the movie, there was a lot of stuff where I felt like they were kind of getting angles and movement pretty right in the city, like between the monster battles and stuff like that. It was kind of like they had they had actually started figuring out, you know, where the angles were, how to get the right camera shot so they could insert the monster into it and and how they were going to have it all masked in there. And like it, it seemed like they were learning special effects while they were going, but got better at it by the end of the film <laughs> and kind of started like figuring it out. So here here's what I would actually counter with for that, <laughs> because I absolutely thought about how much better stuff looked at the end of the movie <laughs> yeah. than it did at the beginning. And so the only uh, logical conclusion I came up with while we were watching it was that, oh, they just actually started and put a whole bunch of effort into the big battle scene at the end. Mm-hmm. And then somebody was like, uh, we're running out of money. You need to finish the scenes from the beginning of the film. And they're like, but the re- I haven't put any textures on the monster. And, and, that, and that could be that there could be anything like that. But the end of the movie definitely looks better than the beginning. So it, it does. Yeah. It packs <laughs> the slightest edge out of a visual wallop I've, than the beginning I've, of the film. Does. I felt like that the, at the end of the film, whatever knowledge and, and abilities they had, that was where they were the most dialed in. This is as positive as I yeah, can man, get. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> uh, you know, it's really rare for me to say that my favorite part of a movie is when the credits start rolling. Yeah. <laughs> There's one point uh, for the listeners where we had to stop and we were like, had to, like, did we just hear what we thought we heard? Yeah, and yeah. we rewound oh, it. True. 
and and we all got really excited. Like, oh, there's only 18 minutes left. Oh wait, no, there's still a half an hour. No, uh, there, that was weird. But um, you know what I will say about this thing is, I think I would be less hard on it if the monster looked like Yangari, which it didn't. At almost at all. Yeah, yeah. It kind of uh, looked like the well, 1998 Godzilla movie. Godzilla had a baby with Yungari and then put on a whole bunch of like He-Man armor. Armor, yeah. 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 Right, well, I should. And again, I have to correct myself. It's not Yungari. It's Young Gary. <laughs> um, they didn't once pronounce the name right, which I thought was hilarious. But it's a remake of the original Yungari. Mm-hmm. Young Gary. It's Young, young Gary. <laughs> I don't even remember. <laughs> That is what they kept saying. It, yeah, it young was, Gary. It, it really was as if they it, they had named him Gary <laughs> yeah. and then realized he was young. <laughs> yeah, but oh god, uh, yeah. Uh, again, at least the one thing about the Gralala attacks the G eight summit, they didn't change the monster. It was exactly Gralala. I mean, from the sixties. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. They, like this thing didn't really bear any likeness to Yungari. So why did they even call it Yungari? It's weird that they would do that, right? I mean, it's if I was Korea in 1998 and I saw that America had somewhat successfully done a Godzilla movie mm-hmm. all in CGI. That looked nothing totally like Godzilla. Say, yeah. Sure, sure. But, like, we're not talking about Godzilla fans. We're talking about Korean yeah. filmmakers who, who – I'm not saying that they aren't Godzilla fans. I'm just saying that, No, I'm just justifying why yeah, it doesn't yeah. look like <laughs> Young Gary. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like – Young Gary. I can see them saying like, "This is a good idea. We can do this. We can make this happen." And that's why they were able to get some money. Oh, I'm certain, and I'm sure. And like, my theory is that somebody saw a handicam version of the '98 Godzilla (laughs) and was like, "I kind of remember these. Really, there's like three or four shots of the monster, and we've got to copy those things." Or they just went from the trailer. The trailer, yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) Like we've got because there is uh, quite a few shots of like. There's a point where Yungari is like, you know, being fired upon from ground level by the military. And it's like, oh, that's exactly the same shot as they tried to capture the oh, look yeah. of. Okay, so oh. I took the Korean characters for the yep. movie name and put them into Google Translate so that get... I can hear what Google thinks that the actual okay. characters are supposed to sound like. And I think this is going to come <laughs> through the speakers here. Yungari. Yungari, yeah. <laughs> that's right. All right, so Yungari, <laughs> the remake of Yungari. Uh, I don't know. I not definitely not a movie I would suggest to anyone ever. And for those that actually sent in their homework, you know, kudos to you. Uh, apologize not in advance. I apologize that you had to watch that. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I honestly, this movie doesn't have anything that I would like raise up, with the exception mm. of the fact that they were doing miniature work for the buildings, and. You know, they tried. Most of it looked cool. Yeah. You know, one essence of my kaiju fandom is that I just love a man in a suit. You know, yeah. something about a giant monster or a guy in a giant monster suit stomping down a set and destroying stuff is what makes these movies good to me. And when a movie literally erases that one aspect from the actual production, you know, not erases like they shot it in. But, you know, it erases Wouldn't that, that from be something being... if the Korean version actually had a guy in a suit and they just CG overed him? Oh, Whoa. that'd be amazing. <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. Mind is blown, man. Uh, it would be cool if that was the case. And then it would just make us look like jerks for, <laughs> for erasing all Hey, of that's it. not the movie we watched. So yeah, yeah. we can be jerks about this version all we want. <laughs> we it's are going to be jerks about this version. I mean, um, I want to be, I want to find something that I can say positive about it. So I guess I just have to say, like, 
well done on the miniature work. It's a film. Know? It's a yeah, film. Yeah, you you did that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the the funny thing about this is is like I could see why they wanted to make it. Yeah. Um, because it's funny. Uh, much like the Phantom Menace, uh, the '98 Godzilla movie was not a failure. It was a critical failure, and why it was a financial success. It was a financial success. And I'm sure that's all that they cared about. They're like, hey, Americans made Godzilla over. What have we got? Well, we've got one giant monster. Well, might as well just make them over and yeah. try it and do the same thing. Let's try and capitalize on that yeah, success. That's a, yeah, it's that's it's the can, asylum I can see thing. how they yeah. would say that. Like, yeah. say, this is a good idea. Yeah. We saw what they did in America, and we're going to do the same thing. Right. And then when it came down to it, they just were like, well, we can't do exactly the same thing. But that is... I mean, solid C minus for effort, maybe? I don't know. Well, this, this is probably the thing, like I, I had said, I found out when we were doing this, the director went on and did D-Wars. You need to do a movie like this that goes on and allows you to be able to figure out stuff so you can do a Dragon Wars. So you can go on and have something like The Host come out. What, what was The Host, 2007? Was it five? So, some, somewhere in there, too. So... Oh, well, while you can, uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine with harping on this movie. It's a baby step. Like a lot of people went through a lot of terrible things to make this sure, awful sure. abomination. And it allowed them to go on probably to do more successful things to see what they could possibly do. Plus, so it's a huge baby step. I have zero knowledge of South Korean film practice in 1999. Mm -hmm. It just, I've never seen a Korean movie from that era. They could all look this good. <laughs> yeah. But I would imagine that most of them didn't have CGI and that, you know, anyway. So Charlie, give me something. I don't even want to say, give me something you would change about this film. Like, I don't know. Let's just move into final thoughts. Man. Like we can wax poetic about stuff all we want. I just don't even, I don't, the whole thing was bad. The whole thing could change essentially. Yeah. I don't even know where to begin. I, just like I said, I I am so curious what what this would have looked like if we had an original Korean cast, and and according again to the internet's the the plot was changed. I'm curious. <laughs> That's the one thing I'm more interested in. What like, that would have been. What yeah. what did they change that that they felt they had to to make I, it more international and. I did enjoy the super marionation like aliens. Yeah, I, I, to I mean, say. See, I mean, they didn't. <laughs> I got no problem with puppets, man. Yeah, those those aliens I thought were fun. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, again, every aspect of this that looked like it came from the original Korean production mm -hmm. was interesting to me. Yeah. Did you think that the? Do we think collectively that the aliens were part of the original Korean production? Oh, I think so. Absolutely, absolutely. That design and everything yeah. looked like it to me. Yeah, okay. but was but was City Man? I don't know if I would say they have to be. <laughs> <laughs> they they look like the but, Giver to me. Yeah, they oh, look yeah, like some rendition very, of the Giver. They or looked like, like that. somewhere between the Giver okay. and Independence Day. I mean, obviously, all the alien stuff was meant to evoke Independence ID Day. ID four, yeah, yeah. 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 For sure, yeah. Actually, you know, I the little pod ships. I thought those were kind of cool too. The the the, the they design look like of those. Uh, they're shaped like shoes a little bit. Oh, yeah. I thought they had a good design. No, I actually. I thought that the alien ship stuff looked kind of cool, but yeah. for me, I was not expecting that at all. Like I watched a trailer, but I must not have been paying attention to it. Or they, <laughs> did I, they have any alien stuff in there? Because that was a complete shock to me when that happened. Yeah. 
The jetpack stuff seems so squeezed in. I, that that I would not be surprised if that was something that was added in this international quote unquote international version. Hey, Bill, guess what? We've got a jetpack program included <laughs> in our three D software. Well, and I mean, very obviously, like the F eighteen and Apache helicopter scenes were from the original. They were integrated um, yeah, into the scene. Yeah. Now the B fifty two bomber, Charles uh-huh. pointed out. He'd seen the footage somewhere well, else. It, like, oh, it that's had to be from bomber. something else. Yeah, that yeah. was a stealth. Yeah, that, that, yeah. yeah this, uh, the F- it was a stealth F-17. fighter too. Yeah, it was, well, <laughs> it was not even the bomber. What? Well, I can drop bombs. F one seventeen A. So, so that all looked like footage from another movie that I've seen, and I cannot place it right this second. But uh, it, I, you know, looked like something out of. I think it was Philadelphia Experiment two, where it was the one where they he goes. Uh, there's the time travel with the um, the F one seventeen A. Yeah, like I said, I, I it could have very easily been B roll from like. Iron Eagle Six that was made oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, straight to VHS, but it, it was definitely yanked for some, from something else. Yeah, I damn, there were so many characters that were introduced just to be dropped or ignored. Smitty! And, yeah. <laughs> and the reporter disappears, like yeah. we talked about, Mister Black. Mister Black, he mm-hmm. vanishes like in the first third of the movie. We have just the character never comes back. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, did he get? He didn't get stepped on. Did no, he didn't. No, no, no. he so. just disappeared. The he just evil, kept getting his film destroyed. The evil paleontologist, which how often you get to say those words? Yeah, <laughs> get stepped on in an homage actually, to seventy-seven King Kong. Well, yeah, actually, yeah. that that I will say surprised me because quite honestly, I was expecting him to be the bad guy throughout the movie. And the I did that, too. Yeah. The fact that he got squished pretty early was pretty. <laughs> it was like, all right, he got me. You surprised me there. I really did. Going back to thinking of positive things, I really did like the footprint. That's what I was just about with to say. the bodies in it. Yeah, like, <laughs> something you never see. Yeah. And they oh. spent time discussing it too in the car ride. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is when it actually such a good hoax. You guys. Going, yeah, when you when you talk about the plot, it is actually kind of a weird structure because the, you start off establishing this uh, this main villain. I mean, he's, I mean, without a doubt, super one dimensional villain. And you think you're going to follow him all the way through. They get rid of him and they replace him with another like really wimpy villain. Evil NASA yeah. man. Yeah. The, evil, the, the evil nerd NASA man villain. And who doesn't get to do anything. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting turn in, <laughs> he the, in the script writing. That was, <laughs> I love that that was, was when a, they switched writers. Again, <laughs> that there was an implication that NASA was evil somehow. Yeah. I mean, really, even though it wasn't. NASA. It wasn't NASA. It was and it NASA wasn't any sort or something. of real government like yeah. agency. Yeah. UNDA? U- yeah. United We're so National secret, the president. <laughs> something? Yeah. But yeah, the president doesn't even know we we're around. <laughs> oh, man. So anyway, there you go. That That's a positive thing that I could say that's outside of Charlie's uh, room so, buildings. Yeah. So Kaiju Cast listeners, you can find this on YouTube. <laughs> yes. And I'm just going to say I was totally going to buy this. And then um, a number of listeners actually who didn't submit their homework for what the hell. They, they just they're like, I, don't, I can't say anything good about this movie. But they watched it and then. Some of them were like, hey, by the way, you don't have to buy this because it's so horrible. You can just watch it on YouTube. <laughs> and I was going to buy the DVD because I, you know, I like to support the kaiju arts. <laughs> no way, dude. It was selling like for 40 plus dollars on Which Amazon. Is stunning. God. That's, the- the, that's the whole thing that drives me crazy about like 
not buying a DVD or a Blu-ray or whatever when it comes out is that that tertiary market kicks in at some point and people are like, nah, it's hard to find. I'm going to yeah. jack up the price for the worst movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tales from the Quad Dead Zone. <laughs> Have you ever heard of this? No, that's. I was about to ask, is that a real movie? That is a real movie. It was made uh, in uh, on VHS in 1985. It's like the most expensive VHS tape on Earth, like... <laughs> People have paid like $690 for it and it's unwatchable. It's like, and this is the same thing. Like if you had paid 40, five dollars for that online all three of these guys would have been slapping me oh i was gonna say you would have had to kick a puppy when you got done watching this because you would have been so angry I mean, what was like the a, name of that one tales from the quad dead zone quad dead zone okay right. well since we've begun talking about another movie i think it's probably <laughs> yeah, time for us to wrap I mean, up our discussion I think uh and i think the general consensus is you know but uh you know final thoughts charlie uh I will come back when you find the Korean version. Okay. That's about it. I would agree to that. I agree to that. And I would recommend this to people, but I would say not as an introduction, but man, this is like, get wasted, call your <laughs> friends over, have have like the, terrible is, movie yeah, night this is enjoyment a, out of this. Watching the 2X for, fast forward mode. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, honestly. Maybe, if, maybe one day we'll have the free time to sit down and write our own jokes and oh, yeah. our own riff tracks thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I, the I, riff track guys could really tear this thing to pieces. Due, due to our friendship and the show, I just was like, <laughs> nope, stay quiet, Martin. Stay quiet. <laughs> 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 I wonder if like I had just stayed entirely silent during the entire watching of the movie. And then when we sat down, I'd be like, you guys didn't like it. <laughs> anyway, yeah. because it's getting a little warm in here, I decided to let the guys go. But we're going to go ahead and finish up the Daikaiju discussion, starting with Adam's homework, who says bad acting, bad CGI, bad plot, badly thought out aliens. Director Shim Hyung Rae is best known these days for unleashing Dragon Wars on the world. Like this film, the latter effort was entirely populated by English-speaking actors, reciting dialogue clearly not written by someone who understood English. However, Adam cannot emphasize how much better a film that Dragon Wars is for several reasons. 1. Dragon Wars has CGI effects that are surprisingly good. 2. Its plot and script are absolutely bonkers. While that second thing may not sound like a positive, it absolutely is. Yungari has a plot that is certainly odd and often nonsensical, but it's still incredibly pedestrian and rote. While it may throw you the occasional curveball like rocket troopers, it's still a very familiar monster tale and one you've seen done before and better. So it's too bland to be entertaining on the merits of seeing what crazy turn it'll take next, and it's neither gloriously terrible nor competent enough to be good. For one thing, while many of the actors are terrible, few of them are ever terrible in an entertaining way. Most are clearly competent professionals, but receiving unclear direction. The special effects are all terrible, yes, but they're terrible in a way that's somehow hard to truly make fun of. This isn't seeing an exploding model plane flip around on its wire, it's just eye-scratchingly bad CGI. It's just bad. Especially since the filmmakers rarely actually use the CGI to do anything they couldn't have done easier and better with a guy in a suit. Both Yongari and Saikor move like men in suits, but they're rendered in CGI anyway. And that's really too bad, because without the awful CGI, that final fight could actually have been pretty awesome. The choreography was pretty sweet, and even though Adam's still more partial to the original 
Yongari design, he has to admit the monster designs in this film are pretty good. It's just a shame that they're wasted the way that they are. Ultimately, this is a ridiculous film that isn't ridiculous enough. It gets bogged down in the stuff no one cares about and fails to deliver on the stuff we came here for. And when it does deliver, the awful CGI shoots it right in the foot. Adam recommends skipping this one unless you're an absolute kaiju completist. Clearly, there's some material in it for riffing, but not nearly enough to make it worth the trouble. Stick with Yongari Monster of the Deep, since at least there the bad effects are charmingly bad, and the moments it goes bonkers are actually bonkers. Luke used to have this film when it first came out as Yongari 2000 on VHS, which he lost at a friend's house. He remembers it being bad, but after watching it again on YouTube for the discussion, he's glad that he never found that VHS tape. Both the special effects and the actors were very amateurish, and the dialogue was very corny. The most positive thing he can say about this film were the kaiju designs. The only way he thinks it could have helped the film out, at least, was to use actual suit actors for the kaiju scenes. There are so many more bad things to say about this film, but he's going to sum it all up for everyone. Luke would rather watch the Star Wars Christmas holiday special once a week instead of watching Reptilian slash Yungari 2000 ever again. Back when the world was young, and bird and beast and flower were one with man, and death was but a dream, and the sky rained down fire like melted chocolate, or something like that, once upon a time there was a store that the archaeologists refer to as Blockbuster. Mike Keller went there once, rented the film known as Reptilian, which he knew to be a 2001 re-edit of Younger 1999, took it home, watched it, and copied it. Of course, this was an illegal act. Reptilian is officially classified by a WMD by the Geneva Convention, and owning a copy is tantamount to storing canisters of nerve gas in your home. In fact, Mike was not entirely sure at the time why he did this. What circumstances could possibly lead him to subjecting himself to the viewing experience that is reptilian more than once? How bad would things have to get? Could there be no grass to cut, no house to clean, no toilet bowls to wash, no toenails to clip? He must have known then that Kyle would one day request his listenership to see how much of the film they could endure, which is also an act banned by the Geneva Convention for what it's worth, and wanted to save himself the future hunt for a copy. Not that it made much of a difference. Mike had to dig the VHS out of the dusty cobwebs of his vault using his hazmat suit and a pair of iron tongs. Okay, is there anything positive to say about Reptilian? There wouldn't be if it wasn't for D-War. The best thing about Reptilian is that the director, Shim Hyung Rai's D-War, is an enjoyable film. So many people complain about that film without realizing what a Herculean leap forward in quality it actually was. Actually, director Shim has had a hit-and-miss track record, with some of his output approaching watchable and even fun levels, such as Tyranno's Claw and the best of the Urume or Thunderhawk series. Reptilian is easily the worst of efforts, with the possible exception of his 1999 version of Yongari, a film that appears to no longer exist in any format. Mike is morbidly curious about this version of the film. After all, Reptilian is what the movie looked like after revised edits, footage, and effects. How bad could it have been before? But oh man, what do we have to work with here? Mike has actually made a film or two before, and he knows how the process works. He knows that movies are not made, shot, and edited in real time, but Reptilian actually appears to be made up as the viewer is watching it. 
characters come and go at the drop of the hat. The only actor with any real credit is the late Harrison Young as Dr. Wendell Hughes, whose most high-profile claim to fame was the elderly Private Ryan in Saving Private Ryan. How bad did things have to get for this film to seem like the next logical step in his career? Was Children's Theater not hiring? And what is up with Donna Philipson? Can she figure out if she wants to be British or not, please? Mike has to wonder here about the English language films that feature sporadic foreign dialogue. Are those scenes as inept to the native speakers of those languages as things such as this and the English dialogue in the Godzilla films are to us? Is Mike imagining things, or is there a stuffed Pikachu floating around the U.S. military facility? No doubt, other viewers will have noted the scene where a military officer states that Yonguri makes Godzilla look like a birth canal. But Mike is more awestruck by the exchange in the helicopter beforehand, where one of the soldiers decides he is not up to the task and another volunteers to take his place. We needed to see that for what reason exactly? Uh, what is Mike even asking that for? There's no reason for anything that happens in this movie. Aliens are trying to take over the Earth because... That's what aliens do, he guesses. Mike notes here that Independence Day appears to have been as much of an influence on this flick as Kaiju Iega. If the aliens were here 200 million years ago, why are they coming back to take the planet over now? Why didn't they just stay put if they wanted the place so much? And why did they write their plans down millions of years ago before executing them, including how they could be defeated? Yungari gets his diamond thingy blown off and people who were running for cover a minute ago just decide to stop, stare at, and even approach the monster? Don't think about it, just do it. And why is the monster even called Yungari? It has less of a physical resemblance to the original Yungari than the 1998 Godzilla did to the classic Toho monster. Pretty much the only thing the two have in common is their nasal horn, and as shoddy as that original production was, it looked way better than it did in this movie. Bad CGI ages worse than Zsa Gabor's face, and the CGI looked bad in this film when it was current. Asylum movies have better digital graphics. So in short, Mike didn't like it. Any questions? This was Michael Deke's first and last viewing of Reptilian. Before watching this movie, he made a mental checklist of elements from the 1998 Godzilla movie, in quotation marks. The movie not sticking to the original source material. Check. Characters that you don't give a single crap about. Check. Vomit-inducing CGI effects. Check. The military causing more collateral damage than the monster. Check, check, check. Right ad nauseum. The character of Dr. Hughes just makes Michael cringe with his cheesy, over-the-top acting, and throughout the movie, he kept wondering how he got his PhD. On another note, how is it that the word dinosaur was written on an ancient tablet that clearly predates the actual date of when the term dinosaur was coined in 1842 by Sir Richard Owen? The only redeeming factor of Reptilian is the monster that appears at the end. When Michael first heard its name uttered by the aliens, he thought that they were referring to Zygorg, the demonic destroyer-esque kaiju that first appeared in the Ultraman X movie earlier this year. Of course, he was mistaken, and the monster's actual name is Psychor. Just another to add to the list of kaiju that sound alike, alongside Baragon and Barugon and Pandon and Pandan. <laughs> However, since the effects that bring this battle to life are so bad, the fight isn't memorable. Apparently, the original Korean version had better CGI effects, according to James Rolfe, but it was never brought to the States. Who's the guy from the Angry Video Game Nerd series? He also does the Cinemasker reviews, and he's done a ton of Godzilla stuff, if you haven't seen him. 
whether you are a kaiju newbie or a completionist, do not watch this Invasion of Astro Monster wannabe, which is why Michael gives Reptilian only one out of five stars. This is a movie that failed miserably, but succeeded in being as much of a disgrace to the genre as the movie it was trying to rip off. That being said, this movie deserves to be the next Kaiju Cast drunken commentary. Well, if that was going to happen, Michael, I would need to do a lot of planning and a lot of drinking because <laughs> that movie was bad. Anyway, uh, that does it for our Daikaiju discussion portion of the episode. Next month's movie is another I've never actually seen before. I think I tried to watch it once, but I wasn't able to, or for some reason or something like that. It's called Legend of Dinosaurs and Monster Birds. It's a 1977 film from Toei. Now, this movie was released on DVD by um, Tokyo Shock and Media Blasters, but it is one of those movies that has gone into the moratorium uh, 50 million times more expensive than it should be movies. So there's like the tertiary market has basically said, you should not buy this movie because we're going to charge you anywhere between 47 and $100 for this, which I think is completely ridiculous. So if you have access to this, if you already own it, awesome. And uh, you'll want to submit your homework before Friday, September 23rd, to be included in the discussion. And uh, for the people who have been messaging me about making modifications to the Daikaiju discussion schedule, don't worry. We are definitely going to be doing that. Because like I said in the last episode, we think that October is when we're going to see Shin Godzilla. So we'll definitely make some uh, considerations there for that movie and any movies that are coming out in the future. That literally wraps up our Daikaiju discussion. I did have a couple of news items to cover, so let's get to that. This is United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. I don't have a ton of news. This is just sort of like uh, fun little little stories. We're going to start things off with Creature Features down in Burbank, California. They had an incredible-looking gallery show called Godzilla All Art Attack 2. Now, I saw pictures from their last one, the first Godzilla All Art Attack, and it looked so cool. I was really bummed that I didn't get to see it. Uh, this is the same situation for me. I was not able to go down and check this out in person. Hopefully, some of you did, and uh, you could also enjoy the photos that are on the Tokusatsu Network Dot com article that I'm going to be posting a link to in the show notes. I really wish I had like something that I could just teleport myself down to California anytime I needed to to go check out something like this. That's an awesome looking gallery show. It's too bad it's gone now. But uh, like I said, I'll have a link in the show notes to a tokusatsunetwork.com article so you can check that out and look at the pictures yourself. Also, make sure to check those guys out, um, Creature Features. Check them out on Facebook. I know that they post a lot of stuff, and they're buddies with the Monster Party guys. Shout out to that podcast. Uh, next up, there's a you know several IDW Godzilla news articles on SciFiJapan.com. As people know, we talked to Matt Frank and Jeremy Robinson recently about Godzilla Rage Across Time. Well, Rage Across Time Two is uh, the next issue that's coming out because the the first issue has has been released. And Sci-Fi Japan talked to A.J. Gregory, the artist for the cover of Issue 2, and basically got a really cool process document that he sort of went through his process of creating it. So definitely go check that out, especially if you're an artist and you're interested in how comic book artists make covers. Additionally, they have solicitations for the, the remaining 
rage across time issues. And I'll have a link in the show notes to both of those articles. Sci-Fi Japan also has an interview with Akira Takarada. Apparently, contributor Kim Song-ho caught up with Takarada earlier this year at a film event in Korea and was able to sit down and talk with him for a little while about his career. I'll have a link in the show notes to that article as well. Bob Johnson recently posted that several Ultraman movies are getting brand new dubs thanks to a production company called William Winkler Productions. Subaraya is working with them directly to produce dubs for Ultraman Ginga S. the movie, Ultra Fight Victory, and Ultraman X the movie, which is great because I really want to see Ultraman X the movie because I thoroughly enjoyed that series. I'll have a link in the show notes to that dub article, and uh, we're going to move on to the next item. Actually, all of these are Sci-Fi Japan items here. Diamond Comics has shared with Sci-Fi Japan their upcoming September lineup for The Giant Monster King, which includes the SH Monster Arts Desu Goji, the Burning Godzilla, which is kind of cool. He comes with all these smoke attachments. I already have the original, so there's no need for me to get this guy, but he's pretty rad. They are also soliciting for the 12-inch Godzilla series, it says, from X-Plus, actually. This is the 1989 Godzilla vs. Biollante version. This was sculpted by Yuji Sakai, and actually, I think the next one was, too. Yeah, so both of these were sculpted by Yuji Sakai. There's a 1989, which is obviously from Godzilla vs. Biollante, and the 1991 from Godzilla vs. King Ghidra. You know, I own both of the original X-Plus releases for these, and they are gorgeous. They're really beautiful, and actually, they sort of have a special area up in front of my collection. Also, the Godzilla Vinyl Wars series is continuing, and they are putting out several figures in the next few months, starting with the, on this article, starting with an Invasion of Astro Monster reissue. I think that's a marmot. It looks like an old Vinyl Paradise sculpt, perhaps. I'm not exactly sure. Man, I wish they said that stuff in these articles. And then they've got another with the 1962 Godzilla. And then their Megaton that they released last fall. There's actually another color variant, which is black and gold coming out. Mm, I might have to figure out a way to pick that guy up. I'm not sure yet. His eyes are sort of freaking me out a little bit. But yeah, all of these things are available through your local comic book shops via Diamond and their previews magazine. So if you're interested in any of these, make sure you check out the show notes for the link to Sci-Fi Japan's article because for every single one of these items, there's the item code. Then you can use that code, take it into your local comic book shop, and have them pre-order something for you. And our final two articles, both on Sci-Fi Japan, but they talk about one of my favorite companies ever, which is X+. X Plus has been doing some really cool stuff recently in Japan, and they just launched a new statue line. It's technically like busts, but it's called their Monster Emotion line. They're putting out two busts. One is of Red King. The other is of Kanagon. These are highly stylized versions. So like I said, they're called Monster Emotion series. And Red King, who looks like a total brawler and like something you would not want to encounter in real life, is representing violence. And seriously, looks pretty cool. Kanegon, who is uh, not something I, <laughs> I ever would be afraid of, is representing joy because he's got a mouthful of money. It is really cool. I actually, uh, I'm legitimately thinking about picking these guys up. Obviously, there's a link in the show notes to this particular article in the episode. And additionally, like I said, X Plus has really been stretching their wings a little bit, and they are working with Bandai to produce a Godzilla versus Evangelion figure, which I think, you know, 
Many people have heard me talk about this crossover event where Japan just decided that it was a good idea to mash up Godzilla and Evangelion. It's crazy because it apparently was a good decision money-wise. I mean, people are definitely buying these things up. There have been Kiryu Mechagodzilla figures. There have been Godzilla figures. There have been a huge amount of merchandise and marketing that has gone towards this promotional tie-in which is probably one of the reasons that Shin Godzilla has been so successful, is because they are really working this promotion. Well, X-Plus has announced that they are making a Godzilla versus Evangelion Toho 30cm series Evangelion Unit 01G Awakening form. So it looks like one of the EVAs has started turning into Godzilla. It's pretty cool. Not for me, because I'm not an Evangelion fan, but if you love the series and the Godzilla, definitely check it out. Okay, I think that does it for the news segment. Now we're going to move on to catastrophic events. Last episode, we talked to Miguel Rodriguez from the Horrible Imaginings Film Festival, which is happening from September 7th through September 12th. Make sure you check out Hail to the King, 60 Years of Destruction, which is playing on Thursday night. Here in Portland, Oregon, from September 10th through September 11th, Rose City Comic Con is happening, and the Kaiju cast is going to be there. Keith Foster from Kadoja and I are going to be tabling at booth 820. Come by the booth and be a Kaiju. Get your picture taken with our Portland cityscape. Pick up some awesome stuff from us and talk to us about giant monsters, man. Also, Saturday at 2 p.m. of the show... In panel room five, I believe, we are putting on our panel, KaijuCast, Monster Oddities of Japan. That should be a lot of fun. And then Saturday night, we have our listener party, which the location is sort of TBD at the moment, but hopefully it will be in another awesome place, maybe even the same one we had last year. I need to create one of those Facebook events for all these things. (laughs) But uh, moving on to our next catastrophic event, AlienCon is happening October 28th through the 30th in Santa Clara, California. They are, of course, getting Haruo Nakajima, Kenpachiro Satsuma, and Tsutomu Kitagawa there, the three main Godzilla suit actors. Tickets are available at thealiencon.com, so make sure you check that out if you're in the area. I'm going to be heading down there and uh, hopefully doing something awesome. All right, that's going to do it. So I think it's time to close out the show. If you found the KaijuCast through iTunes or some other podcast directory, make sure you point your web browser to kaijucast.com where you can see everything that we're about. We've got every episode posted there. The Daikaiju discussion schedule, like which I said, is going to be edited a little bit soon. Not to mention all the links to our social media websites and our friends' websites like sci-fi-japan.com. Make sure to come out to Rose City Comic Con if you're in the area, or hey, you know, why not travel to Portland, Oregon the weekend of September 10th and 11th in order to come see us at the Rose City Comic Con. We are that awesome, right? (laughs) Anyway, we're going to close out the show with one track. Now, in the last episode, I talked about an event that's happening next year in New York that includes some Japanese artists, and I thought I would actually play a track from the album that those artists worked on. So we're going to close things out with Makoto Inoue's Chikyu Kogeki Mirei from Godzilla vs. Gaigen. Jamata. Jamata.